Welcome to our podcast about living on the Lewy Body Roller Coaster, a podcast for Lewy Body dementia patients and their families, presented by Lewy Body patients and their families. You will hear firsthand the ups and downs and twists and turns of Lewy Body dementia from families directly affected. We'll share our support and experiences on all things Lewy Body. We're your hosts, Linda and Curry. I have a loved one with Lewy Body dementia. And I am living with Lewy Body Dementia. Let's get started. Welcome back, podcast family. Yes, welcome back, y'all. We want to send out a few special shout-outs to our supporters, uh, our new ones. One of them is Taylor Swantek, Larry Herring, and Brian and Amy Dockery, and then also our we want to shout out to our super Patreon supporters, which is Matthew and Miriam Garachi and Phyllis Banks. Folks, we appreciate your support. Yep. And please consider joining us each week in one of our meetups through Zoom. Again, we do one Mondays and Fridays at 1130 Eastern. That is for anyone anyone who can attend, those living with Louie Body and caregivers. Uh, spouses meet is on Saturday. Spouses only meet is on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Starting this week, the week of April 12th, uh, Curry is starting a meet on Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. Eastern for those living with uh, Lewy body dementia or those seeking a diagnosis. And we are looking for someone to lead a support group for caregivers of parents um, and their siblings and friends. So if you think you'd be interested, please send us a message through Facebook or on our email, and, and we can talk. We hope you all listening will consider joining in one, one of the meets each week. Uh, we post the link to the Zoom meetups and the announcements on the Louis Body Roller Coaster podcast page, Facebook page, and on Curry's Our Journey with Louis Body page. So please don't be shy. Trust me, you will not regret joining and meeting some pretty amazing people. You will quickly call your new Louis family. And as always, we want to remind our listeners that we're not giving medical advice. We're just merely sharing experiences. Okay, this week we asked Sarah to come back on to help us define and describe words that you may hear that relate to Lewy body dementia. We know there is an official list of symptoms for this disease that the LBDA posts, but we also know there are many other symptoms people have shared with us all in our support groups and on the support Facebook pages that may not be listed on the official list. And we all need to share, we need to continue sharing those so we can let doctors know and others know um, those with LBD have certain symptoms that may not be on the list. Um, We found that more and more that, uh, like for instance, when you, Curry, when you were, when uh, Stephanie was on and you and Stephanie's husband realized that you both, your hands the, what palm of your hand looked exactly like uh, the issue. Our hands and our feet. Yeah. So we asked Sarah to come back and help us um, talk about a few Louis words and hope this helps listeners learn a little more about um, some of these words and examples of uh, symptoms. So welcome back, Sarah. Glad to be here. Thanks again, Sarah, for coming back on to help us share words associated with Lewy body dementia. Sarah, how would you explain the difference between Lewy body dementia and Parkinson's disease dementia? 
body dementia is the term used to describe progressive cognitive decline that is severe enough to interfere with one or more major life activities in people with Lewy body disease. The term includes both people with Parkinson's disease, dementia, and dementia with Lewy bodies. For Parkinson's disease dementia, the progressive cognitive decline occurs in someone whose Parkinson's motor symptoms are well established for a year or more. For dementia with Lewy bodies, the progressive cognitive decline begins a year or more before the onset of obvious Parkinsonian motor symptoms. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I know that that's confusing a lot when, when it's, uh, it seems like, well, when those living it, we sometimes get those two confused that Parkinson's with dementia and then the, um, the, especially the motor symptoms, which that goes right into our next question. So we know those with Lewy body dementia often have motor symptoms. So let's talk about some of them. Can you share some of the motor symptoms someone with this disease might, might exhibit? Yeah, I think the thing that people are most aware of with Parkinson's um, disease and what we call Parkinsonism is that the walking is different. And so people typically have shorter steps. It takes more steps to cover the same amount of ground. They have a tendency not to lift their feet and so they trip more often. They're slow to start walking and then once they tend to get going, they move faster and faster. And the other thing that is characteristic, even when people don't have the other things that I've just mentioned, is that they have balance problems that lead them to falls. The other thing that you'll notice when people are standing or walking is they have what's called a stooped posture, which means they don't straighten up. Their trunk is flexed forward. Their arms and their knees might be bent, and so they look like they're not fully standing erect. Um, the other thing that is a typical feature of Parkinson's disease and not seen in all people with um, Lewy body dementia is the presence of what we call a rest tremor. That is when the limbs are completely relaxed and completely supported. So feet resting on the ground, arm resting in your lap or something like that. There's a tremor, it's a slow tremor involving multiple joints and that's why they call it a pill rolling tremor because it almost looks like someone who has a Parkinsonian hand tremor is rolling a pill between their thumb and index fingers. So that is a characteristic tremor of Parkinson's disease. And I want to distinguish that from the much more common type of tremor that we have if we drink too much caffeine or if we're nervous. And that's a much more rapid, fine tremor anytime we're holding our limbs against gravity. For some of us, we have what's this type of fast tremor all the time. It's called an essential tremor. And we shouldn't mistake the more characteristic Parkinsonian tremor with the more common, what we call essential tremor that you get with caffeine or nervousness. Then another motor feature that's very common in um, 
Parkinsonian syndrome is small handwriting. And this comes about because um, in people with LBD, the muscles, the opposing muscles don't work well together. So as a result, there's sort of a resistance to movement of larger coordinated um, muscle movements. Uh, so people will experience this in terms of stiffness when they move their limbs, um, when they're walking or getting up out of a chair. When it comes to handwriting, it's easier to make little tiny movements than the larger normal handwriting movement that we see because of this opposition again of opposing muscle groups. Wow. That, that totally, totally makes sense because um, before you ask your next question, Curry, um, uh, my husband has the gait changes. Um, he seems to take not even steps. He'll take a small one and then a normal one. And that, that's been causing issues. He doesn't so much stoop when he's standing, but I notice when he sits down to attend his support groups on Wednesdays that, that he is, you know, that it's like a sitting stooped posture, if that makes sense. And he has that rest tremor when he, when he's just sitting still, like you said, with his arm on the chair, totally, um, resting on the chair, his, he has tremors in his hands, but then if he moves it, his tremor is gone. And he also has the small handwriting. So he, I can check each one of those. Curry, you, do you relate to any of those? I got a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you talk about the, the, uh, tremor of the peel rolling between the index finger and the thumb. As you said that I'm sitting here looking at my hands, I'm not doing my index finger, but I'm doing the next finger. Okay. Well, that's, that means that the tremor is really more in your thumb. That's yeah, all. Okay. Yeah. But I do, I do that all the time and I never thought of that as a tremor. Yeah. Well, if you're completely at rest yeah. and it's occurring, that's a rest tremor and it involves more than one joint. And that's what makes it you know, this sort of complex pill rolling yeah. type tremor. I mean, I, see, I wouldn't, I thought tremor is shaking. I didn't, yeah. never, never would have thought of that as and, being and a tremor. And I've seen you do that. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you do that when, yeah. yeah I do it all the time, hmm. but yeah. I, I never thought of that as a tremor. So thank you. But, uh, but anyway, uh, Sarah, we often hear people say their loved one has the Louis stare. And uh, can you describe what this is for our listeners? Yeah, what it really is, is a lack of facial expression. There's reduced movement in the muscles around the mouth and eyes. So the person doesn't smile, scowl, or blink as much. And they may not move their eyes back and forth as much. Um, and so this combination of reduced muscles gives them sort of a mask-like stare. Mm -hmm. Jim has that a lot. Um yeah, that that Louis that Louis stare where uh, I, I think I I shared in one of the support groups I would come down and when he has those stares he's watching TV and I guess our TV it's Comcast if you don't 
do anything like change channels for a while. It takes you off of an actual show and just puts like a scenery up. Um, and I've come down and he has, um, is that me? Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, he'll be just looking at nothing on the TV and I just, I can look at him and I can, I can see that, that, that stare. Um, yep. So that's definitely, um, something part of this disease, but more and more lately, we have heard people say that their loved ones have dysphagia. What is that? Share with our listeners what that is and how it can be helped when it becomes a problem. Yeah, I'm going to just, I'm going to spell it for you because it's D-Y-S-P-H-A-G-I-A. And it means trouble swallowing. There's a loss of the smooth coordination between the muscles of the tongue and the throat, which causes people to drool at times and more frequently to um, choke on food and saliva. Um, So the important things to do are not to try to talk or have a conversation when you're eating, concentrate while you're swallowing, Um, try uh, thickening liquids, because actually thin liquids run down your throat faster and they're harder to swallow than somewhat thickened liquids. Avoid very dry foods because similarly, it's hard to coordinate swallowing. Oftentimes, it's helpful to alternate solids and liquids in a meal. And finally, it's very important if there's any swallowing difficulties to have an evaluation by a speech pathologist who can analyze the swallowing pattern and make really helpful suggestions on how to avoid choking. I've got another question now. I've had that, and mine comes and goes, but when it first started, my doctor sent me uh, to the hospital to have a uh, I don't know, I, I call it a throat study. I had to drink this awful tasting stuff and they did x-rays on me as, as I swallowed it, you know. Uh, but they couldn't find anything wrong. But yet, I, I have that pretty often. Aha! Another example of the symptoms of Lewy body coming and going. So, When you're really revved up, you may not show the symptoms. When you're tired or more relaxed, you know, it may be that you're less vigilant and your symptoms are worse. And so, again, it's probably important not to eat when you're tired to try to be fully (laughs) alert. Right. Um, But the fact that they didn't see it in the past um, might mean that it it was less frequent um, back then, and it might be time to have another eval. Okay. That, that, that was just like the tremor thing. That was kind of eye-opening for me. Uh, well, let's move on to cognitive dysfunction terms uh, that someone with Lewy body dementia might experience. Sarah, what are some common cognitive symptoms symptoms someone with Lewy body dementia might exhibit? I think one of the first symptoms that people are often aware of is that they can't concentrate. They can't pay attention. 
and it will come and go. I mean, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm able to concentrate pretty well at some times and not at others. Um, and that's, again, typical of Lewy body disease. It's not all the time. Um, and then as time goes on, one becomes aware of more trouble with memory. And the type of memory problems that occur with Lewy body dementia are somewhat different than the type of memory problems that occur with, say, for instance, Alzheimer's disease. And it's felt to represent different parts of the brain, actually, or different circuits that are involved in part. And so in Lewy body dementia, it's felt to be a problem with what's called working memory. And that is trouble retrieving information that's already in your brain and calling it up. So I may have as much difficulty recalling something that happened to me in my childhood or in my children's childhood as I do something that happened yesterday. That's different than Alzheimer's disease where someone has trouble just getting that recent information that they just got out again. Um, so if I can concentrate well enough to listen to a word list and repeat it, I could probably recall most of those words a few minutes down the line. In contrast, someone with Alzheimer's disease may be able to repeat right away, but they won't be able to recall what they've heard 10 minutes ago. And conversely, they probably are able to remember things from their childhood. That is well established in their memory. Their working memory isn't as impaired as mine, and they're able to call up those stories with no trouble at all. Working memory is felt to be more of a problem with what they call executive function. That's a very elusive, difficult um, concept in uh in terms of thinking function, but it is um, something that is, executive function is something that is much more involved early in Lewy body dementia as compared to some other forms of dementia. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna um, just ask my next question, Curry. So if you, you see, on our question list, because you're, you're talking about executive function. So one of the first things we were told after Jim went to the neuropsych doctor is that he was having trouble with his executive functions. And you're right, that was one of the first symptoms with this. So can you give some examples of um, what, what type of executive functions could be affected? What, what, does that, what, what, what are executive functions, examples yeah, our, of? Our executive functions are those higher level thinking skills that we use to control and coordinate other cognitive abilities and behavior. So for instance, um, the ability to um, inhibit certain impulses, um, the ability to call in all sorts of um, information to solve problems in a flexible way. Um, the 
knowing when to initiate and complete tasks, um, prioritizing tasks, organizing and keeping track of things, following complex directions and not getting derailed, um, shifting our attention from one thing to another and coming back to the original, um, inhibiting emotionality. You know, we can't, we don't get carried away by our emotions under most circumstances, but if you lack executive control, you tend to get stuck in those emotions and other more rational thinking doesn't come to bear on those emotions and it's therefore harder to get out of them. So you tend to fixate on things when you've got what we call dis-executive function. Um, and trouble managing time, which is actually a very complex task. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just, Kari's shaking his head and I'm like, oh my goodness, Sarah, you just described my husband. He, he, you just described him to a T because in his job, it was, he needed those executive functions that, that task, you know, doing a task and um, I really can't give him more than one direction at a time or because he just, he can't do it. Curry, how is that? I know, shaking your head. So share, share with us why you're shaking your head. Oh, I can just remember back when, when I was having trouble, when I, when I was still working, uh, of completing my paperwork each week so I could get paid, you know, uh, I, I, there was certain steps I had to go through and things I had to do. Like I, I had to fill out all the paperwork and then I had to, uh, photo, take a photo of it and then scan it in over my phone. Well, actually I had a little scanner I carried with me and scan it over that, but it got to where I had trouble and there was more to it than that, but I had trouble doing my paperwork there at the last. Uh, and there were some weeks that I didn't get paid everything because until the next week, until Linda caught it, you know? So yeah, I, I can relate to that. And, uh, just like I go to take the trash out, Sarah, out of the kitchen, and uh, it's in a it's a, it's a plastic bag in a trash can. So I push the trash can, push the trash down, cinch the sack, and then pull it out. And supposedly I take it out. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in my recliner watching TV. And uh, it may be an hour later and I see Linda coming out of the kitchen with this bag of trash. And I asked her, well, where'd you get that? And she said, well, you just left it sitting in the kitchen. But in my mind, I thought I had already taken it out, put it in the trash can outside and came back and sat down in my recliner. And I've done that several times. Uh, So I I do little stuff like that, you know, where I, I start doing something and then I just, in the middle of it, it's like I got lost and just, but but yet I think I went ahead and did it. Okay, so these examples that you give are good ones. And I just kind of want to show how they're linked. So, you know, at any given time, there's a zillion different little thoughts floating through our brains. We're getting distracted by things we hear, see, smell, touch, that sort of thing. And our executive function allows us to pull certain types of information together and 
continue and maintain a task and to, um, to filter out other information so it do- doesn't derail us. And so I think that that regulation that allows you to evaluate information and modulate your responses is how you put all these executive functions together. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. It does make sense. Um, yeah. It's like. Oh, and know, there's we, more than just the trash. I mean, there's, there's yeah. been others. But that's actually a, you know, even though it seems like it should be simple, it's actually a complex multi-step process. Yeah. I mean, you, you explained the steps, you know, and yeah, I totally see how I, I come down in the, sometimes the refrigerator is wide open, um, and and it, it's just every time we do this, Curry, and thank you for for sharing everything, Sarah. I just I can relate to pretty much everything that's come, that we're talking about now. I'll give one more small example. I'm out front. Linda waters out back, and I water out front. So I'm out front watering. Linda was gone. They went to the grocery store. So I'm out front watering, and the next thing I know, I'm sitting in my recliner in the living room, and Linda and Robin get home and they're carrying groceries out and then they start telling me, Hey, you left the water going. So it was, it was as if I, I mean, I had, I had the hose all stretched out doing my watering and then it's like, I just, ah, I'm going to quit right here. I left the water running and just came back in the house and sat down, you know, things like that. Yep. Yep. That, that seems to, I, I, we're shaking our heads with everything Sarah's uh, describing and for those listening who haven't listened to the past episode that Sarah was on, Sarah um, has Lewy body dementia, just like Curry. Um, so, but she also has the medical knowledge to share with us. So that's why we asked her to, to come on. Um, so there can be language dysfunctions as well with this disease. So you, can you tell us the difference between dysphagia and is it aphasia? Aphasia? Yeah. Um, dysphagia, sorry, dysphasia, and I'm going to spell that D-Y-S-P-H-A-S-I-A, is trouble with language. Aphasia is a more severe difficulty. So often it's almost inability to communicate. This can occur both if there's a problem with expressing language, speaking or writing, or understanding uh, written or spoken language. Typically in Lewy body disease, the problem is more with expression than comprehension. Can you, can you give an example of that? What, do, do you mean, like when Jim tries to get thoughts out and he can't complete a sentence, is that considered one of these? Yes. You know, it, it's trouble coming up with the word mm-hmm. um, and the ability to fluently have one uh, word follow another and make sense. Um, Oftentimes, I'll substitute a word that's similar 
but not the correct one for what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Yeah, that, that, that's good. I, I've got a friend who uh, has Lewy body and frontal tem- temporal. And uh, now she used to talk real well. And now she can, it's really hard to understand what she says someday. Some days she talks as clear as we are right now. And then some days it's really hard to understand what she's saying. And, uh, but, I mean, she's, she's a sweetheart, but yeah, that, that explains that. Uh, Sarah, what could be some visuospatial disturbances that uh, someone might experience? Um, you know, it, visual spatial difficulties encompasses a variety of skills. So it might be searching for and locating objects, shifting your spatial attention from one object to another and then back again, holding items or objects in your visual memory. And that can be just remembering a scene that you've looked at or knowing where certain neighborhoods are that are right around your neighborhood. And, and, you know, five years ago, you had no trouble visualizing that map in your mind. And now it's not clear at all. It's pretty fuzzy. Um, Performing a mental rotation, um, you know, angles and things like that can be difficult. And um, pattern detection can be hard. So um, it's, a tr- it's when somebody has visual spatial trouble, they have trouble with visual recognition and where they are in their environment and their, rel- their relationship to their environment or different objects to one another. All right. Uh, Sarah, we've heard loved ones of people with Alzheimer's say that their loved one has sundowning a lot. But this could also happen to those with Lewy body dementia as well, I understand. So explain to our listeners what this means and what to look for or things to do when it happens. I think of sundowning as being triggered. Um by a reduction in light uh, towards the end of the day when people are getting tired. And I think those things together conspire to cause people with dementia to become confused. So, you know, it's the end of the day, I'm already tired. I'm not getting the visual cues that I used to. I'm not able to respond physically as well to those uh, various cues, whether they're, you know, auditory language or anything else. And I feel feeble and confused. And it's, 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 um, it's got an emotional uh, reaction that comes along with it as well. When you're, when you're not able to, do the things normally. It's um, it can be frightening. It can be uh, uh, discouraging, and so sundowning returns to these constellations of feelings and impairments, people that that occur uh, at the end of the day that makes their dementia worse. Mm. 
Yeah, and, I, and for me, I just, when the, I see that in gym, I just have them, I tell them to go, you know, go lay down. You know, it's okay for you to go lay down. You can put TV on upstairs, but um, that's usually what we do when I see that. Um, so I'm just saying that, that it's been great so far where we've you've been explaining the terms that people might hear, but also e- examples. Um, so that that's why we wanted to do this. Everybody can, this is our education episode. (laughs) So let's move on to terms associated with psychiatric disturbances that may occur with Lewy body dementia. But first, um, I know you share with me how there is an overlap with Lewy symptoms. So can you share what you mean uh, that there's an overlap? Yeah. um, Let's take well, let's just say that there's an overlap between what's considered physical, cognitive, and psychiatric symptoms of Lewy body um, disease. For example, if you can't see well, you're more likely to misinterpret an object. And if you misinterpret what you see and you, you're not thinking as swiftly as you might normally, then you come to the wrong conclusions and your thinking might be derailed by this misperception uh, of this object. So although it might come out as, you know, thinking that's not reality-based and therefore a psychiatric symptom, um, in fact, (laughs) it's really kind of a mixture of the physical things that led up to that thinking, that that outcome. Um, So let me give you an example. In Lewy body dementia, we have what's called reduced contrast sensitivity. That is our ability to distinguish boundaries between objects or distinguish a foreground from the background is impaired. Um, So if I have trouble seeing uh, a um, car coming towards me and it's really not coming as quickly as it seems to be, I may be very, I'm obviously I am sitting in the passenger seat. I'm not driving, mm-hmm. but I, I may, uh, you know, have this mark startle response. You know, throw up my arms and yell stop, and the driver might be um, think, oh my gosh, she's really, um, you know, agitated, anxious, or whatever. And, you know, maybe there's something of, of that, but it really looks to me like we're going to crash. Um, and so I think that's how the, there's this fluidity between what's perceived or labeled psychiatric and, and what are physical symptoms in LBD. Tara, I can't even tell you how I feel like you're Jim talking to me because that is... 
he's done that to me several times, and now I understand why he's doing it. Like, I, I know it's part of his perception, but I'll be driving down the road, and he will. Like, watch that, watch that. Like, he, I'm like, ooh, I, like, I don't know what, 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 you know, I thought I was doing something wrong, and he was going to catch me from not, you know, getting in an accident, but that's, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. It must be something he saw, like you're saying, that triggered him to do that. So that, that and, was and a great this, explanation on that one. And this whole distinction between psychiatric, physical, and cognitive is, is blurred, not only in Lewy body disease, but in normal people. So for instance, people who've had limb amputations experience phantom limb pain. And that occurs because the brain, which is used to getting input from nerves from the limb, now, long, now is cut off. And it's just kind of creating these signals and, and thoughts on its own. And so the brain has the impression that it's still getting signals from the periphery, from the limb. And, and oftentimes, because there's a stump there and there's some sort of signal still coming from the area where the limb was severed, the signals are somewhat altered and the person experiences phantom limb pain. Imagine how distressing that is to have um, pain coming from a limb that's no longer there. In a similar way, people who are blind, um, usually these are people who develop blindness um, after birth or uh, later, uh, can have visual hallucinations. The wiring is still there in their brain for vision. The input is not coming from the eyes, but their brain conjures up these images all on its own. Same go goes for hearing and auditory hallucinations in normal people and on and on. So you can see that whereas, you know, things might be labeled psychiatric and LBD, there's a very, very clear physical basis for these things. Layer upon that the difficulty with thinking, and you can see how far removed from reality some of our perceptions may seem or our conclusions may seem. You explain that real well. So we're going to end our talk with Sarah uh, for this week, but don't worry. Next week, we will have part two of our Louis Terms, re terms recording with you, uh, for you, with Sarah. There were just too many terms to discuss in one episode, and we wanted to allow plenty of time for Sarah to fully define and describe each Louis term uh, with examples and then allow uh, Kyrie and myself to jump in also. So thanks again, Sarah, and see you next week for part two. <laughs>